On this week's episode of Chit Chat with Corley, we are joined by the Executive Committee, a few members of the FFA Executive Committee. We've got Brady Polsel, we've got Josie Kelsey, we've got Kean Cribs. We'll also have our football recap with Coach Preston. He's actually joined today by Coach Renard and Coach Rudolph. And then we've got a special guest for you. We've got an alumni. She was runner-up two years ago in the high jump in the state meet, Bella Jackson, now down at Lipscomb. We'll call in from Nashville. We've got all that and more on this week's episode of Chit Chat with Corley. Back for another episode of Chit Chat with Corley, and today joined by three very special guests from the Whiteland FFA. And if I'm not mistaken, that does not stand for Future Farmers of America anymore. It's just FFA. Is that correct? Yes. That's correct. Right. We're joined by uh, Brody Polsell, Josie Kelsey, and Kean Krebs, our president, vice president, and secretary, respectively. Thank you guys so much for being here on the podcast today. Thanks for having Thank us. You. Yeah, thanks. So the the biggest misconception about FFA, I think, first of all, for most people is you have to have grown up on a farm, be part of a farm to be an FFA. So Brody, let's start with you. Um, tell us a little bit about your background, but what FFA has done for you, you know, throughout your education. Yeah. So um, I did actually grow up on a farm. Um, my grandpa and my dad were both in FFA. That's kind of why I joined. But through FFA, I've kind of stepped outside of my comfort zone. I started doing a lot more public speaking like two, three years ago. I wouldn't be able to sit in front of so you're on the podcast now, <laughs> sit in front of a microphone and and do this. So it's definitely changed a lot for me. And Josie, how about you? Um, kind of going off what he said, I also grew up on a family farm. My dad and grandpa, people past have been in FFA. Um, it just kind of like got through the family. So everybody now my family members like siblings are also in FFA it just changed um the way I talk to people and like it just changed a lot of like leadership roles and like big things that I have coming up in my life because of FFA and then Kian uh I'm kind of like the outlier here I didn't really grow up on a farm I grew up in like a neighborhood but my uh pappy owns a farm so I always would always go there I always thought it was cool but I never thought it would be take me somewhere so in like eighth grade, uh, Brody actually invited me to an FFA meeting, so that was really cool. First going there, it was like Farmer Olympics. Was that what it was? Yeah, I think so. That's usually our kickoff meeting. Yeah, and I know so, one of our uh, radio TV interns from last year, Tristan Yegi, oh, uh, yeah, had yeah. taken Yegi. some had taken some ag classes, and uh, Miss Gobe said, "Hey, we, we're, we're really want to win the multimedia contest," and so because he competed in that, was technically you know, a part of FFA. And, um, you know, a lot of people don't realize that if you take an ag class at Whiteland, you are officially a member of FFA. Mm -hmm. And I know that you all have a big goal as well, that you're trying to get more active members. So uh, maybe Kean, tell us a little bit about, you know, the goal, maybe some of the, some of the things along with that. Oh, yes. We have a lot of goals this year. So one of our big goals is to get more active members. So this year, if we get 75 active members, I'll be dyeing my hair hot pink. Oh, wow. So Okay. And then if we get 85, we will shave my head, and we will get to pie all the officers in the face with, like, I don't know what kind of pie. It doesn't matter. Uh, just, just a bunch of whipped cream, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I was apple. But, uh, and then for 100 members, we get to have a pizza party, and uh, we get to pie the advisors in the face. Um, just to describe, like, an active member, so basically coming to the meetings that are every – every Wednesday but once a month and then also um, competing in contests so if you want to do the multimedia we have other ones um, we're actually starting one on Monday and Wednesdays after school now milk and quality products which is just like taste testing different milks and like cheeses and stuff like that um, also what else is like an active member what did we say uh, I don't know like they just do contests, they like show participate, meetings, participate. Yeah, mm -hmm. not just not just sitting on the sidelines, actually getting mm -hmm. involved and, and being a part of it. And it's funny you mentioned the milk quality products because I think for those that maybe hear that for the first time, they're like, "What the heck are they talking about?" But I asked Miss Ott, and I was like, "Oh yeah, ha ha!" Like the movie Napoleon Dynamite, where they sit there, yes. he's like, "This one tastes like <laughs> the cow got into an onion pasture." Yes. She's like, "That's exactly that it. is exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah. This yeah. one tastes like bleach." Oh and yeah, she's like. 
no, that's exactly what it is. Like that, you, you take a sip, you taste it, and you spit it right back out, and you're like, yep. this is what that is. So yeah, um, no, that's exciting. So what are, is that is the next contest? But talk about some of the other things that you all compete in throughout the year, because there there is so many different things that farming and agriculture, you know, is is a part of, and all the different competitions you all can compete in. Yeah, one of my favorite parts of the year is, is early spring. We do what they call an LDE. Um, that stands for leadership development event. And, um, the cool thing about that is there's so many different opportunities in that. So each member kind of gets to pick what they're more interested in. Like I know, um, I did ag sales, so I got to role play a uh, salesmanship position and try to sell an agricultural product. So that was kind of fun. Um, Josie, did you do one last year? Did you do an LDE last year? I think so. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I'm trying to think of some of the other examples. There's like, like presentations that you can do about something like food science. One year, um, my sister actually did like making um, applesauce and talked about the background between that. And then my freshman year, I think I made ice cream and talked like homemade like from ice and a bag oh, yeah. and stuff. Yep. Um, That's how my family still makes ice cream. We go to the Christmas party every year and we actually... It started back with my, uh, you know, you talk about agriculture and farming, and my great grandfather was, uh, the like the patriarch of the family. Like, my grandfather was one of ten siblings, you know, big Catholic family that they were, you know, they were raising kids to work on the farm, yeah. and so now we've turned to kind of a holiday tradition where a great grandpa would make ice cream into. Uh, now each member of the family, their family is in charge of making ice cream. There's a like crank it the fastest, who can get it cold, and then they have all the brothers and sisters blindfolded to do a blindfolded taste test. So. Uh, kind of a, a fun thing for us there. Now, speaking of family, Josie, you mentioned your older sister. And I think if, you know, people know Kelsey Farms around here and they probably know Jenna as well. Oh, yes. What has she been up to? Because I know she's now a state officer. Yes. I think. So she is the, I think, Southern Region Vice President. Um, basically, they are living in Trafalgar. All seven of the officers are living in Trafalgar in a house actually at the FFA Leadership Center. Um, she is going to different camps and district kickoffs for around Indiana. Um, they had actually, um, yesterday was their last day of state fair. So now they are back at home working again on getting those camps all put together. But they were at the fair all 18 days working in the FFA pavilion, um, meeting new FFA members, families, whoever came there, I guess. But Yes, so she is very busy with running around all of Indiana. And then, Kian, you know, what does it mean for Whiteland FFA to have someone like Jenna Kelsey go on and represent? Because, you know, even for me, a person that started here a couple years ago, we're a big school, but not a lot of people have heard of Whiteland. You know, they've heard of Greenwood, they've heard of Franklin on either side of us, but they don't necessarily know Whiteland. So what's it mean in terms of for your all's program when someone gets that kind of, you know, much uh, – much coveted position. Uh, it's definitely a big deal for any chapter in that matter. Uh, we are actually a three-star national chapter this year, mm -hmm. so we're working, or that's the top, right? Yeah. That's the best you can do. So it definitely Jenna's helping us achieve that, and I'm guessing, I'm hoping it will inspire more people to join FFA to have that position like Jenna has. And then Brody, so obviously now you're the you're the sitting president, so you have some big shoes to fill. So what are some things that you're trying to do in terms of, you know, you mentioned getting these numbers and some of the, the prizes there. How do you actually reach out to the people and say, hey, we need you. This is why FFA is important. Yeah, so um, anyone in an ad class is able to join um, completely free because of all the um, donations and support from the community that we have. So um we start by we do presentations in all of our ag classes to invite people um this podcast is going to help us out some um just trying some new different things we have um an instagram or uh, tiktok and yeah i've seen the tiktok another one. i love the tiktok especially the one that you all just released uh <laughs> yes oh was yeah pass the phone to an officer yes. and what was you were the very last one and what was it that gope said or whoever was it that passed it off to you yeah, I can't remember. It got, oh. I got a laugh um, out of it. The anger issues one? That was mine. Oh, yeah. Gove said anger issues for Kian, and then Josie passed it to me. Mine for him say? was that he would wear his official dress to school every day. <laughs> yes. That's good stuff. You oh, all had some, like, I think the first TikTok I saw was maybe last year, one of the seniors that graduated, or maybe year before. It was the one that was really popular, the Don't Talk to Me, or yeah. whatever. And I was like, oh my gosh, this thing has like 15,000 views. 
And, uh, yeah, so y'all are killing it on social media. And I think that's important too, right? Is, you know, farming and social media, you don't necessarily put them up side by side and think, Oh yeah, one and the other, but it's kind of making it young and, and, uh, keeping it cool, you know? So, uh, getting away just from FFA talk, let's talk about just life on the farm in general. So, uh, we'll go back to you, Josie, cause you're, you're Kelsey farms. Everybody knows Kelsey farms. Uh, talk about, uh, kind of some of the, first of all, the challenges that you all had during COVID and now kind of getting back to normal with running things on the farm. Yeah, so COVID kind of, it shut us down, but however, since we're outside during the fall and now winter, um, it's not, it wasn't that bad. I mean, we made made it work. Um, This year is definitely going to be like a big year for us. I feel like it is our 16th year um, doing the fall thing, and it'll be our second year doing the Christmas thing. So basically, we're getting everything ready for fall now, and we're excited to start, um, you know, prepping everything and getting everything set up. I think we opened the last weekend of September, and we closed the last weekend of October for the fall season. But we're just excited to get back at it. We never stopped because of COVID, but we did have to, like, make some changes with our food and stuff like that. Yeah, it did seem like uh, last year during Christmas time, I saw just tons and tons of pictures out there at Kelsey Farms celebrating the, the holiday season. And then Brody, you said you grew up on a farm. So what was what was your yeah. farm life like growing up on a farm? Um, we do a lot of a lot of crops. We do um, corn and soybeans. Um, just recently, once I got into uh, middle school, we started doing um, some livestock through 4-H. We raise cattle and goats. So that's that's been a lot of fun. And then Keen, you said your pappy has a farm. So what was yeah. it like? Uh, kind of getting to go and hang out with him and kind of learn a little bit of life on uh, the farm. It was definitely, we would always have a fun time with it. Like, definitely, he made it more fun, which I guess is what I'm kind of putting into it now, like, especially when me and Brody pick sweet corn for a job. Oh, and, yeah. And <laughs> we definitely have fun. Uh, but, like, we would definitely, we'd go down all the time during, like, harvest. So I'd get to ride in the combines, uh, get to ride in the big trucks that hold all the corn. So definitely, definitely good experiences. Not not a lot of livestock, but more just crops. Now, Brody, you mentioned 4-H, and uh, for those that know, this past uh, couple weeks was the state fair, and before that we had the Johnson County Fair. So let's start with Johnson County Fair, because I believe I saw almost everyone that is involved in Whiteland FFA was out there in some capacity. Of course, you know, saw uh, some of the Coonses, saw some of the Marlins were out there, the Taylors, just everybody that's anybody that's ever done FFA was out there at the county fair. So how was, how was your all's county fair experience? Yeah, um, we did pretty successful, or my family was pretty successful with um, our goats. I know our chapter, everyone was there for um, the ice sales, our biggest fundraiser of the year. That was, that was, went really well. Um, It was very hot that first week too. So yeah. 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 I won like two different classes with the goats. Um, one was one was a new thing. It was a mother daughter class. So I had my first generation doe and my um, my newer generation doe showed in the same class, and they were judged on like the improvement from one generation to another. And mine was chosen to win that class. Congratulations! What about you, Josie? Um. So, unfortunately, Jenna couldn't make it to county fair because of this FFA role she took. So, me and Jack, um, my brother, had to show her animals for her. So, we showed her pigs for her and her cow and her goats. But we did really well overall. I ended up getting the grand champion weather goat, um, which was very exciting and actually hasn't happened with I, I happened with Jack, but it hasn't, and nothing that big has happened with me so far. So that's very, that was very exciting. Um, Jack got um, another grand champion of a different type of goat for like a boar goat or something. So we we had a pretty good year overall. We did really well with our um, dairy cattle too. Yeah, it's always it's always so nice to see like again when I talk about Whiteland FFA, you guys doing well with the 4-H and the FFA. Just because if people don't know, Johnson County is one of the biggest fairs in the state. It's also probably one of the most competitive when it comes to 4-H. And then you mentioned uh, Brody Goats. Of course, the true goat of goats is Hannah Gobe. If you look up oh, on, yeah. the, on the 4-H walls, <laughs> I was just kind of sitting there. went one morning. I was like, got there. I think it was for, uh, it was something with the steers. And I was just like, 
Huh, goats. Uh, oh my gosh, Hannah Hand. Go was up there like nine hundred <laughs> yes, times. Yes. But uh, no, uh, I'm glad that you all enjoyed it. And then Keen, I know you said you didn't. You don't necessarily do a lot with livestock. Did you have anything going on at the fair? I actually do not do 4-H. I'm looking to getting into it. Next, would it be next year or this year? Well, next year. Next year, but uh, I did a lot of the ice sales. Sadly, I had COVID mm. like the Monday, so Brody took over my ice shell sift for that day, and then I worked. Uh, a Tuesday night, uh, all day Wednesday, and Thursday night for ice sales. So, well, definitely. The, and the, I was going to say, and the fun thing, too, is, like, just getting to go out there as well. And, you know, there's the competition aspect if you're competing with the livestock. But there's also just the hanging out and, you know, you're showing your, your livestock a couple, maybe a couple times a week, just different different classes and stuff like that. But all the in-between time, we're taking care of them, and you're just sitting there, and, you know, you're meeting people and the kids and the families that walk through. That's got to be fun to interact with them and that's got to be also cool to see some of those kids that's that was you all at one point just walking around <laughs> through the livestock as well and seeing how it's come along now Josie I've got to say though you're also a cheerleader and oh, so yes. one thing that uh makes it to where it's it's kind of funny as I see your cheerleading pictures and you're like got the big smile and the pom-poms are up and then I see your livestock pictures and you're like in the zone just oh yeah completely stone faced. you gotta like, have that focused face when you're showing <laughs> I can't I it can't explain it's just like you're set to win I mean you just gotta have it what would you all say is maybe the one thing that people don't realize or maybe I guess would have wrong about farm life or 4-H or FFA? What's the one thing that people don't maybe understand or realize? Well, it's it's not just for people like me and Josie who had this our whole life. Like we've got guys like Kean and I'm trying to think of others who. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sydney. Yeah. Um, so we've got two officers that didn't necessarily grow up with a farm background so it's definitely for a wider group of people and you don't have to want to be a farmer to join like like I mentioned earlier this teaches you so much about leadership and public speaking and stuff that just goes on to anywhere you want to go in life yeah, so I guess that kind of would lead me to another good question. And so what do you all want to do after high school is over and you move on to the next chapter? And others, that's a, that's a loaded question for any high schooler, but maybe you've started to think about it a little bit. I know uh, a lot of our uh, FFA people sometimes tend to think about Purdue for agriculture, engineering, something along that lines. I know uh, Brant Coons, he's up there, uh, I think, studying agricultural business or... I think something ag related I, I know engineer I think agriculture an engineering yeah, yeah I think he's an engineer so either way but up at Purdue which was no surprise and of course Miss Ott went to Purdue I believe Miss Gobe went to Ms. Purdue Gobe as well too, yeah. so we uh you know we want to I want to hear what your all's plans are for you know what you're thinking at least at this point in time I'll go first I guess <laughs> um I just want I want to go to Purdue um my mom and dad both went there they met there and my sister's going there next year when her FFA year is complete um I want to do something ag related I don't really know yet what maybe an ag teacher maybe ag something rather I don't know I don't know yet something in ag though um just like letting other people know about it so probably in the teaching area field yeah, so um, I want to go to Huntington College um, and find a way to be able to combine um, Christian ministry and agricultural education. Um, there's so many ideas I have with that, but that's what I have so far. I would, I would have to have you on another podcast we'll have to talk about those <laughs> ideas. That sounds sounds like an interesting cross right there. Yeah. Uh, well, I haven't really decided on a specific college yet, but definitely something in either agriculture or I've been looking into criminal justice and law enforcement recently so definitely like going to either Anderson University because they have a good lacrosse program too or going up to Purdue and playing club club lacrosse and going for agriculture absolutely well I know that uh when I was going through college I ended up going to Indiana for sports broadcasting obviously that's how I end up here at radio tv but I always think back and I'm like you know, when you're growing up in rural Indiana, sometimes you're like, I can't wait to get out and go do this. And now that I'm older, I'm like, man, there's nothing like going home to mom and dad's and being out in the rural part of the country. And sometimes I'm like, man, I should have gone to Purdue and studied some kind of agriculture and, <laughs> and done a little bit different. But uh, anything else you'd like to add? Anything else that's coming up in terms of call-out meetings, things that people should be aware of if they're wanting to get involved? Yeah, so um, our we've by the time this podcast is going to come out, uh, we will already have done 
um, the first two practices for milk quality and products, which means you will still have enough time to join and be able to compete in the competition. Um, our first meeting is going to be chapter kickoff, like Keen mentioned, the Farmer Olympics will be August 31st. Perfect. And I will... Uh, that last Wednesday of August. Last Wednesday of August. Yep. Perfect way to go into uh, Labor Day weekend. You can oh, get yeah. a little FFA <laughs> going for you, Ooh. then enjoy a long weekend. And uh, you all just let me know, and I can help you out however however I can with WBSN reposting stuff. And I was very honored that I got to make the new Whiteland FFA logo uh, oh yeah, yeah we are awesome. very appreciative. It's a yeah. cool logo too. Yeah, yes. I, ch- I pretty much just took the national logo and kind of redid it a little bit. There's no plow; there's just an owl, so the owl's not sitting <laughs> on the plow. But uh, are y'all gonna are y'all gonna use the shirt idea too, or what are we no, thinking on that? I don't know. I think I, we couldn't use it because we have to use like a website oh, yeah. ba- through a website, yeah, like yeah. company, and I, like she has to just pick one, and you can't like design it. I thought we could design that it. That I, I was shown a shirt this morning, and it it looked pretty cool. So I'm hoping they're pretty cool. Well, maybe yes. I can uh, maybe I can hook you, uh, the officers up with my shirt design. We'll yeah. see if I can the, maybe Christmas yeah. present. I, yes. I liked his design. Did he? Any yes. Yes. Said it said the futures yeah. on the farm had a corn stalk. Uh, the yes. American flag was yellow, and the corn one of the corn stalks was one of the stripes on the flag. So that okay, we need to make like new logo Corley's t-shirts. That's Corley right. t-shirts. Yeah, yes. with all the other stuff I do, I'm sure I have just time to make <laughs> everything, anything they want. So, but guys, thank you so much for coming on. Good luck this year. And uh, you know, do, no, do Napoleon Dynamite proud on the milk quality <laughs> products tests, and uh, that's a new TikTok idea. There you go. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. there we go. I like it. You got to get the close-ups over the lips of the go. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, for Brody Polsell, for Josie Kelsey, and for Kean Cribs, uh, again, help them out. Get the active membership up for FFA. And guys, hope to maybe have you on again sometime later this year. We can uh, talk some more ag. Yes, yeah. thank, thank you. you. We're going to keep our show moving right along here in just a moment. want to thank the FFA Executive Committee for coming on the podcast. If you're interested, get involved. They are one of our strongest programs here at the school. They are always winning awards. Uh, You heard them say they're a three-star chapter, the highest level of recognition you can get here in the state. So if you're interested, contact either Katie Ott or Hannah Gobe. They are our two supervisors and directors of the Whiteland FFA, and they can give you some more information. But now time for one of our newest segments here on the show, Last week, we started it off with Coach Preston sharing his thoughts about the last week's game. And today, we welcome back in Coach Renard and Coach Rudy along with them as they talk about the big Lawrence North win and a handful of other things. So let's get right to it, our interview with Rudy, Preston, and Renard. We are joined on the podcast now by our football guys. You know them as Coach Renard, Coach Preston, and Coach Rudy. Sorry, Rudy, you're last again. <laughs> it's okay. Um, we're just going again from right to left here. And it is time to talk some football. And, guys, I feel like we have a lot to talk about. You a can big, say that. Yep. A big win against 6A, 7th-ranked uh, in 6A, Lawrence North, the Wildcats. Let's start back last Sunday when we were last talking, uh, John, with you know coming into this week. We knew this was going to be an athletic team that we were going up against. We knew that they were going to be tough. You know, it's always – you know, you have that underdog mentality, which – it can be hard to hold on to when you're ranked third in your own class, 5A. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about just the mental side going into the week of practice of what it was like getting ready for you know, a bigger, stronger, faster opponent and how you all were able to prepare for that. Yeah, so funny enough, I actually I listened to us talk on the way to the drive here this, today. And uh, yeah, I, was kinda, I wanted to remember kind of what I said and thinking about you know, w- what we kind of emphasized this week. And as I left this podcast studio, um, my dad texted me and you know, asked him about the game and he said, you know, head down grind. And that's kind of, that's just how we do things um, where I'm from. And it was kind of the theme of the week. Um, I remember back to what I said, we need to run the ball well, we need to tackle well, and we need to create turnovers and get our offense on the field. And so, it, you know, you said underdog. I don't think anyone thought we were an underdog, um, at least not in our building. Uh, this was a game that, you know, I, I didn't want to come out and say it, but, you know, in Sunday I felt we were going to win this football game because we were built to do this. Uh, we were built to win that game against that team, that moment, um, just everything Coach Fisher preaches to us. And, you know, I, he gave the pregame speech. It's usually my my thing. Um, but he, he gave the one this week because um, our guys needed it. Rough week for Whiteland. And it was simple. We were just going to go body blow, body blow, body blow until they quit. And that's exactly what we did. We, we ran the ball effectively. We created turnovers. Uh, we got the captain of the no-fly zone to my left here. Um, and we just 
wanted that one um, badly, and I think it showed. I think it showed on the field for sure. Yeah, we made that no-fly zone graphic uh, during picture day, and then we had the scrimmage against Jeffersonville. I think one of the plays was an immediate, you know, through the yeah. air touchdown. Yeah. But Coach Renard, you earned that no-fly zone graphic this week. Four interceptions, including a pick six from Nyrus Moore-Smith. I was uh, as I'm sitting there in, in the uh, WBSN broadcast booth. The first thing that's going through my mind after that is, oh, you know, Coach Preston, Coach Turner on the defensive side, they've got to be going absolutely crazy. What were the emotions like as you see your guys go out there and, you know, have that defensive performance? Yeah, it was uh, it was awesome to see. Um, and, and the best part about it was it was the entire position group. All three guys that got on the field got themselves um, a turnover. And, um, you know, we had some fun with the no-fly zone graphic after that scrimmage like we were talking about the last time we talked. But um, we were we were excited. The kids played with a lot of passion, um, and and it showed. You yeah. know, they, they, they were playing different. They had a different mentality than they've had in the past five weeks. Yeah, we talked about last week. Uh, we felt that there were seven times in the Columbus East game that we had our hands on the ball, and we, that we could have, should have uh, made it, forced a turnover, and we didn't. And I think that hurt us throughout the game. And then we, we emphasized that all week. And we just had a feeling that we were going to force them to, and we can talk about what we did defensively later, but we were going to force them to make bad decisions. And there's that's what happened. Uh, balls that shouldn't have been thrown were thrown. Our guys made tremendous plays on the ball all night. Um, you know, there's actually one clip that I showed the team last yesterday of the ball is in the air, and it's Malik's interception. And Coach Renard, who watches the corners during each play, sees the ball in the air, and he sees the technique of Malik, and his hands up, go up before the ball even comes down. He knows it's an interception. And it, that's just a confidence we had out there. Um, all three of those guys at corner played tremendous defense all night. Our safeties, actually, I'm probably the most proud of. Um, Caden Milligan made some plays on footballs that he's never made before and showed us that he can do it against elite competition. Um, Caden Davidson had 10 tackles on the night and was coming down and thumping kids. So, I mean, we just played great defense in the back end. Uh, and I think it... I mean, it definitely helped us, but the the emotion of you know each each turnover, especially Nyrus's. You asked about our reaction. Well, truthfully, uh, we weren't going nuts on the sideline. On the second one, Coach Renard literally turned to me. We hugged. We were on the opposite side of the field. We just started crying because we felt so happy and proud of what Nyrus was doing out there. And you know, they all showed up. It was a great day. Well, if if you all weren't going crazy, we made up for that in the broadcast booth because I was you know high fiving our director. He was going crazy. We were high fiving the broadcasters. They were going crazy. And Rudy, I want to talk to you because obviously you played for this program back in high school. To see the stands packed the way they were, I mean, I'm looking across and I don't see a single seat open on the home side. Student section, I mean, we got some great shots of them from our sideline cam going crazy all the time. Band was getting into it. That is an atmosphere that I've not seen here in my three years. And, you know, when the people say absolute scenes, it was absolute scenes. Absolutely. I think it was important for our town, for our community, for our school. Um, what we did Friday night, it was, it was important. Um, that was part of Coach Fisher's message before was do this for your town. Your town needs you. Pull, th pull through for our town. Um, and that's what we did. And uh, the town was great. It was great to see the town out there supporting us. 8,000. 8,000. 8, is that a confirmed number? Yeah, I, I'm Oof. pretty sure. And I, I, would, I would argue that 7,950 were wearing blue and orange. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, no, not yeah. a shot. That's just – Well, there was, there was some in the student section that were wearing white, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for the yeah. wide out. Now we get ready for Decatur Central, and it's got to be a short memory for you guys, obviously. You know, you want to celebrate a big win, but, you know, when it all comes down to it, you're playing for conference, sectional, regional, whatever, beyond titles. That Lawrence North, I don't want to say it, mean, it doesn't mean anything. It does – but the next game means even more in terms of trying to win a mid-state conference. So how do you get guys to have a short memory, say, hey, that's great, but we're on to Decatur now? How, and how do you yeah. stress that when the next day is, you know, Saturday, you still got football going on, but then Sunday, there's really not a lot of contact with the team. It's not till Monday that you can really tell them, hey, we got to stop celebrating. Yeah, so funny thing is, and one of the worst parts about this sport is I celebrated, we went out to dinner, you know, you, you were there, and then I was. I went right back to the office, and we. I moved on. I, I was already breaking down film that night. So you don't really get to celebrate the big ones that long around here um, because everyone we play, and now it gets real, but everyone we play is good. And so we have to treat every week as this, it, it's, you know, the mecca for us. We're trying to win, win the biggest one each week. And so um, – it, it's not hard. It's not hard to get ready for Decatur Week. Uh, there shouldn't have to be anything said this week to the guys. Um, they're ready to go already. They came in Saturday, and 
we watched uh, we watched us run power 23 times on film. We watched 10 defensive clips, and we moved on. Uh, we're on to Decatur, and I think our guys know it. Rudy, what makes this year's Decatur team, because they've graduated some talent, but what makes this year's Decatur team maybe different from last year's, maybe more difficult to prepare for? What are some things that you're seeing that makes this Decatur team different well they definitely still have some athletes don't get me wrong they have some up-and-coming athletes i think they're starting three freshmen either on either side of the ball um they have a power five kid at linebacker that plays both sides of the ball they they look different because they don't have the senior-led team that they maybe ha- always had but they definitely have um up-and-coming talent that c- can get causes fits and coach renard I, I would i'd like to go back to kind of about the celebration thing how do you get guys to also then say yeah we had a great week last week but you have to continue to put in the work that you've put in in practice. And I know like it's easy for coaches to say, like, we're not worried about that, but there has to be some maybe something in the back of the mind. It's like, hey, these are high school kids. We've got to make sure that they stay level and realize that last week it was a great week for us, but we have to continue to go about our business the same way. Well, you know, later in the year, um, I think that'll be harder if we continue to have success. But having such a rough last three weeks with our performance, um, you know, you can directly correlate the hard work that we had this week in practice, the attention to detail, the emphasis, the attitude and effort, all of that correlated to success on the field. Uh, if we don't do that during the week, it, there is no success. So um, it's pretty easy black and white um, to, yeah. to convince the kids, hey, like we, we made plays because we paid so much attention. We watched our film. We we, you know, gave full effort in our reps and stuff like that. So and let's not let's not get twisted here. I don't think we're good yet. No. Like I, I, I think we we won last week or we beat Lawrence North. Um, we, you know we had a good scheme. The kids played hard, but just mentally, I mean, mentality wise, we wanted that one more. I don't think we played well on defense. Uh, There's a lot of stuff to fix. You know, uh, schematically, I was giving them a lot of things on the field. And if you go listen to Jane Collins, who was our uh, color commentator there for you, he did a phenomenal job of. I mean, he pointed out everything we were doing. He's a smart football in mind, so you got to keep him doing that for you. Um, but we we didn't play well there. We gave up a lot of stuff that we need to correct and fix, and we're not good yet. And so we, we're not happy with what we've done so far. But is, is that also kind of the catch-22? The nice thing is knowing you've beat a Columbus East team that is much improved. You've beat a very tough Lawrence North team, and you're not even peaking yet. You know, it's, it's kind of cliche to say, oh, we don't want to be playing our best football to, no, to October, November, but that is the case. You yeah, don't want sure. to be playing your best football you until the end of the season. Absolutely. We, I mean, sorry, Coach. Uh, it, it, it's week three. Um, we're still learning who we are, what we can do well, what we can't do well, and what you know, what we need to do. Yeah, we're mo- yeah, we got guys that played completely different positions this week than we played last week. We don't even know who our starters are, truthfully. I, I, uh, special teams-wise, we got a lot to fix, too. I, I mean, we're, we are wow, far from shot good there, Rudy there. Yeah. No, it's Rudy, just, Rudy, it's Rudy Response. But it's true, though. I mean, we did not play a perfect game by any means in all three phases of the game. I think we're plugging and filling, finding the guys that the, the, those dirty thirty. Who who are those dirty thirty that's going to help us on Friday nights in November? Right. That's what tell we're me. Trying to tell find. me about speaking of special teams. Tell me about uh, Grandinetti on that uh, onside. <laughs> you know, it seems like at that point the game's pretty well in hand, but you know, one recovered onside kick can change momentum. And how uh, we're watching, I'm thinking, well, they just recovered that, and then he comes up with the ball and they're pointing to Whiteland. I'm like, wait, there were four white jerseys and like no blue so talk about that well number one i never want to re-kick on an onside kick that just scares i mean we caught the first one like it was nothing it was a, it was a status quo type play the second one was him being a smart football player he realized that they didn't high point the ball the ball correctly and that the ball is going to pop out on the back end and he just went around all the all three of those guys that's just a smart football player a guy that maybe hasn't played all the football in the world but has listened to us when we call hands team and say hey look this is our goal on hands team is just get the ball be a smart football player and he executed that and, and talk about a kid that yeah he hasn't played a lot of football but Thank gosh he came out for football Absolutely. this year. I mean, Absolutely. we had two guys that are making serious impacts that didn't play for us last year and just, you know, decided they wanted to be part of this again. Um, and they were able to toughen it out. And, and now they're finding themselves in starting roles and making plays that win us Friday night games. Yep. Let's talk about, too, um, outside of just the actual game itself. Friday, we're walking around school and I'm seeing, you know, a lot of teachers in jerseys and the kind of the new tradition that's been started. I've seen other schools do it. I'm glad that we're starting it up, uh, you know where you know, players, it seems like, are giving teachers that they have had an impact on them, giving them a, a jersey to wear during the day. Yeah, so this is something that uh, Coach Fisher brought up to me a couple weeks ago, um, and we kind of muddled with the idea to get it what it is um, right now. But uh, we thought it was important that, you know, we talked on the first time we were all here, we talked about doing things in high school. We need to get back to doing all kind of things that bring the community together, and, and especially a week like this. 
And so we thought this was kind of the perfect week to bring it out. Um, all of our seniors uh, bring a jersey to someone in this building. doesn't have to be a teacher, um, but someone in this building that's influenced you the most uh, throughout your four years here. And so, you know, having each kid go up and – it was actually funny, you know, Crowley gave his to Kovacs. And so I, I thought one of the coolest points uh, or moments of this was Crowley's walking down the hall um, after handing it to him and stops by my room and goes, Coach, I think I just made Kovacs' day. And he, you know, John Crowley, we all, we all know he's not the strongest student in the world, but he tries. And for him to go to a teacher and that teacher to appreciate it that much. And then throughout the halls all, all day on Friday, I was hearing, you know, I was hearing teachers, oh, you got a jersey, who gave you that? You know, and so I think it was really cool, really cool. Rudy, you even got a jersey. I, I did get a jersey. Didn't fit in it, though. I did. <laughs> a little snug, a little snug. I would, you know, I'm a, my suggestion to Coach Fisher is T-shirts next time, maybe, you know, T-shirt order. No, I think it was, it was really cool, number one, during the day, but also, like, to see those teachers actually come out it helped that we had a staff cookout but come out and support i mean we had probably i don't know 50 teachers and their families in the end zone um, support our guys and just being able to see them support them outside of the classroom was awesome to see yeah that was the first time i actually got to because our broadcast went so well and it was under control actually first time i've ever stepped foot on our sideline during a home game yeah ever hey, you had three cameras there. going Three did cameras. You, that was awesome. Did you have a jersey on Friday? Did someone give you a jersey oh. on Friday? Ooh. Rough subject. Oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe yeah. next week. Well, Emberton. Caden Turner who? Emberton <laughs> gave his to uh, Miss Stiltner, which Good love choice. her to She's awesome. And uh, I said, wow, really? I mean, I let you in the program to do the Glory Days podcast. He's like, I just assumed that someone would have given you one. I'm like, I guess everyone assumed that because <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a jersey. So, no, it was it was all good. And uh I do, I do think that's a cool. Now, is that just going to be for home games, or are we going to do that for each week? Home games, home games. Yeah, um, you know, it's a, we, you know, the away games. We love that teachers are here supporting us. You know, going them going being at every game is, I think, you know, a little much to ask. But so we want to keep to home games and cre- keep creating that excitement around the building. That I think you felt. Well, we also had some excitement this week. I know you all are big fans of the uh, soccer teams here, and we had uh, the girls' soccer. After dropping uh, their first two to some tough opponents, have now reeled off three in a row, including a big senior night win over Greenwood, four to one. Another hat awesome. trick by Emma Gill, and then boys soccer uh, just yesterday got their first win of the season. Uh, only the second time in program history they've ever beat Seymour and had them oh, wow. at one zero. So, uh, kind of your thoughts. I know you got some lacrosse uh, girls on that soccer yep, team as well. Yeah, and you Lots promised me that I get to call a game soon, so I'm excited for that. Um, yeah, we'll see if I regret that later. But. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's exciting. You know, we have David who's kicking for us uh, and a phenomenal football uh, kicker, but also dominating on the soccer field and getting a big win for the guys. And um, I know it was a, a you know bounce back week for them, but I, I think you know coming out with a big win for them was awesome. And the girls are rolling right now. Um, that's they've done a great job. So I'm very excited for our girls across players i want to give david sorry go coach. ahead so i want to give david a shout out gunner here yeah, that's rude but I'll, i promise you'll get the next 60 seconds anyways <laughs> i want to give david a big shout out on a kickoff at halftime we made a big adjustment for our kickoff team and had him go practice it at halftime and he was able to to execute it to a perfection so um just a good job being play being able to play on his toes i'm going to continue bounce off that um having david on our team is is awesome because it kind of it's like a liaison between the so- both soccer programs, really, right? The lacrosse girls help as well, but but now the it's fluid in the hallways. You know, the the soccer team, the football team, uh, you can get like the stereotypical not liking each other. But I think David, along with the lacrosse girls and and you know Coach Mags being right next to Coach Rudy's room, but like the the feel. The feel is good this year. You know, everybody's supporting Absolutely. everybody. And, and I think that showed Friday. That was the most uh, students we've ever seen at a game. Yeah, yeah. and we've already uh, got the email from uh, Mr. Edens that you know, we're trying to get a fan bus to go up to Decatur, which I think, you know. He's uh, a chaperone, by the way. Yeah, so if you're listening to this and you're a teacher and need, a, and need want a chaperone and be a part of that, you know, email Mr. Edens. Um, but the big thing is, you know, as you all continue to win games, and hopefully that trend continues, that – Shoot, we might have a, a fan bus every week, and that's awesome to see because we had 42 people sign up for that first one against Columbus East. We're going to need more. And uh, it was an awesome – it was really awesome to see Coach Fisher come on the bus after that and thank everybody. I thought that was a really, really cool, classy move. Um, but speaking of the fans, you know, what is your message to them? Uh, you know, just all the support that you've seen so far. And, again, you, you mentioned the teachers, and we don't have to dwell on this too much, but just the fan support. With, you know, the last couple of years there's been, you know, COVID we had where there was only 50 students allowed in my first year here. Then last year we had some good student sections. But, you know, as you know, we talked about it the last time that had all three of you on was an up-and-down season can affect attendance numbers. But right now, strong start. 
and we've had some good fan support. Absolutely, and I think that goes back to what we talked about that first time too. Of when you have people, you know, doing other things other than football in our community and spreading the love around. I think when we do it, and then it's reciprocated, and I think that's what's been happening so far. I think that you know having the having the fans back in the stands and wanting to be at a football game and wanting to cheer on their team and wanting to watch the band and do all that stuff. It's important for a school. Uh, I think it sets a tone for um, you know just the the fan experience all throughout the year. And so we're off to a great start, but like I kind of hinted at earlier, we're going to need more than one fan bus uh, for Decatur. We're going to need as many as we can get there because it made a massive difference when you guys are cheering Nyrus on and saying Nyrus's name and you get him going and, you know, you guys interact with our guys on the sidelines and it just creates an environment that we can't lose in. To, well, be, um, go ahead. to be fair, I, I truthfully think that the environment on Friday night had a you know a, a good chunk of impact on the game. Um, if you Absolutely. Coach Eden's uh, the Whiteland Athletics page, he uh, tweeted out a video that somebody took one of the reporters took on the sidelines, and legitimately the audio in that video sounds like you're inside Lucas Oil. I mean it is mm-hmm. it is loud, it is piercing. Um, you know when when things like the pick six, like them them momentum changing moments. You know when it's that loud for the opposing team. Uh, it gets in your head a little bit, you know. It's it, part it, of dominating. It par- it's part of the dominating process. So having, you know, the the Whiteland tribe there and and everybody else filling the stands has a massive impact on the game that fans might not understand. And it definitely uh, didn't affect our triple option. Yeah, yeah. triple option yeah. was hot. <laughs> triple option was hot. And I'm gonna be honest and pretty brunt honest here. We're going into hostile environment on Friday night. I mean, Decatur Central does not like us. Yep. Okay, and we don't like Decatur Central, so we're gonna need. Every single fan and student that we can possibly get that Whiteland versus everybody mentality to come and travel with us. Absolutely. Let me ask you a question here, and again, this goes back to obviously it's Decatur week, but Franklin also, and I know they're not necessarily mine, but they have started off two and zero. If they win next week, we are able to pull off a win next week. Talking about what that stadium here again, Franklin just down the road, you know, Lawrence North, further for their fans to travel, but what that scene might look like. We're worried about Decatur Central. Absolutely. There's the party line right there. But uh, we were talking about a little bit. That would be a very interesting, very fun environment for a rivalry matchup. But, of course, like you just said, got to get through to Cater first, got to get through Franklin. Who do they have this week? Do you know? Couldn't care less. Couldn't care less. All right. So Franklin versus the couldn't care less uh, Central or high school or whatever, North. Um, but if they get through that, that could be an interesting game to look down the road to. Now, uh, you also texted me, John, and said you wanted to talk about my love of Indianapolis. Not exactly sure. What you're talking just, about? I mean, you're a very you're a festival oriented guy. You know, there's okay. a festival so, going on. So what, you're a, what John you're is a, referring <laughs> to is that I went to downtown Indy as I sometimes do on Sundays to get a coffee and just walk around. You know, you can't. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. Where'd you eat? I just coffee. I just walk you, into the city. Did you eat? <laughs> well, I mean, I I live in an apartment. I can't just like walk around like. How many sh- coffee shops do you think you? S- Missed going down to downtown Indianapolis. <laughs> yeah, Strange Brew. It's close to you. I know. Yes, I've been yeah. there before, but, I'll, but, I'm, but I'm not going to walk down. You ever DoorDash? You have a coffee maker. <laughs> Anyways, I can teach you. Anyways, so I go get a coffee and I start walking down Mass Ave. I'm like, hmm, all these streets are closed and there's all these gates set up, and there just happened to be the Indianapolis uh, Criterium, which is a road bike race, and it was pretty cool. Hey, they were lie. zooming that video they you took. They, they were, were going, and that was the Masters. So that's 45 and up. I, I felt oh, like wow. you were a little close. Well, that I was like you should have been that close. Yeah, I, was right th- I was right there on the. You road. had your media credentials, didn't you? I didn't. Yeah. I did not. <laughs> but they had like apparently earlier in the week or earlier in the day, had already had like the juniors race. So like when I talk about 12 year olds, this isn't like some neighborhood kid on a huffy bike. This is like kids that look like they are are racers, like legit <laughs> bike racers. And they're stallions. Up there. Someone's yeah. called them stallions. Yeah. So just, they were up there. Just happening downtown. Yeah, and then ended up running into my cousin. From back in Starlight, Indiana, who, who used to be a, a bike rider as well. He's there celebrating his anniversary. What'd so. you eat? I, I just had a coffee. You're starting to sound you like Richard Hart. Oh, he's, he's yeah, getting excited. I'm you went downtown, downtown which, which is a good segue. On Sunday morning and just had a coffee. Well, he's waiting for smash burgers. Yes, which oh, leads us to what's fair. on the menu today. Yep, smash burgers. Uh, Cooked fresh, at, I've heard. Yep, we're going to cook them here. Uh, we got the grill coming, so it's going to be good. Maybe. It is, a, it is a cool, I think... Uh, I will say again. I, I mentioned it last week. It's very cool to get to come and hang out with you guys on Sunday. Don't stay all the you know for a long, long time, but getting to do this and then getting to go over and enjoy a meal and just talk some football. And you know, I'm trying to think what I learned. I think the one thing that stuck with me from last week is Gunner saying, "I've been trying to emphasize to our backs that you're not as fast as Lawrence North. You're going <laughs> to think you are. You're not." And uh, you know, it's true. Going into that, going into this week, I'm not going to lie. I was a little worried about will we be able to stay, stay, you know, in contact with them and. That's yeah. why I was I was really happy for you guys. My first thing that was coming to my mind was Coach Renard's going to be 
you know, over the moon about the performance of the defensive back. So kudos on that. And uh, we gave up a touchdown still. We, coverage. Yeah. we will be having uh, Decatur Central on the road. Again, if you're a student listening to this and you want to sign up for the fan bus, I think the details will be coming out probably Monday, but probably most most likely be uh, email Miss Warner to sign up again. Uh, get there. Get Maybe loud. we can get some food or some pizza on that. I can help with that. Can see. I'm sure Ooh. that'll be the case again. Yeah. Typically they do the $10 ticket, gets you your ticket to the game, the ride up there, and then some uh, some pizza as well. So Perfect. Uh, and if you're listening to this and you're a teacher and you have nothing to do on Friday night, consider chaperoning the fan bus and uh, taking the trip up to Decatur and We'll have you guys on here uh, next Sunday to talk about how that game went. Hopefully in the same mood. So, uh, guys, thanks for coming on. We'll enjoy some uh, Smash Burgers, and we'll talk to you next week. We'll get right to our interview with Bella Jackson, but first a quick look at our week on the Whiteland Beach Sports Network, what we have coming up. A bit of a light week for us. Our only broadcast is Wednesday night as the girls' volleyball team gets in action against Franklin Central. We'll have all that action starting at 6.30. And then don't forget, too, your football team back in action We will not have a broadcast of that one as it's on the road, but there is some talk of a fan bus perhaps being put together to take students up to Decatur Central. So be on the lookout for more information about that if things are able to get secured, a chaperone, all that. But uh, as you just heard from our football coaches, they've been loving the fan support and would love to see you up there. And, of course, we'd love to have you go and root on the Warriors against the Hawks as well. All right, let's get right to it. Now calling in from Nashville, Tennessee, from Lipscomb University, we have our special guest this week, Bella Jackson. We are joined for our last segment of Chit Chat with Corley by a very special guest. I, I teased it on my Twitter, and we're happy to have her not here in studio, but she's actually calling all the way in from Nashville, Tennessee. She's at Lipscomb University in her second year, Miss Bella Jackson. Bella, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. This is You're the first person, I was just telling you, that we, uh, we got a new piece of equipment that allows us to have people call in for shows. You're the first person to be a call-in for a podcast. I'm honored to be the first person. Well, that, and, we're, and we're glad to have you on here because we have a lot to catch up. Um, you've had uh, a full year out of Whiteland High School, and you got you had a very interesting, I would say, exciting first year at Lipscomb. So I want to start off just first, you as the college student. What was the first year like, especially living as a college student in Nashville, Tennessee? Um, I was definitely very scared at first, you know, go – four to five hours away and be out of Indiana on my own. But I fell in love with Nashville and I don't want to leave and I love it here. And, um, you know, going to a smaller school, I was, it wasn't really what I wanted originally, but I love it because it's such a big supportive community here. And yeah, it's been a a great first year and I'm excited for year two. It seems like every time I, I see your Instagram story, you're always trying out some different coffee shop or restaurant or, it seems like there's plenty to do down there outside of just the, the university. Yes, I'm a big foodie gal. There's a lot of different places to explore, which is always nice. Not always nice for my bank account, but it's nice to find fun places to go with friends. Yeah, I'd imagine that uh, Nashville's probably not the, the cheapest city to live in. Yeah, no, it's not. I got to keep track of my finances here because... I feel, I found that out the hard way my first year, how much money I was spending on food and drinks. Yeah, you got to get, get, get one of those budget apps. You got to get one of those budget apps that tells <laughs> yes, you. Yes, my friend was actually showing me that. <laughs> now, you also, speaking of food, you have, uh, you're getting, you're going for your degree to be a dietitian. Is that correct? Yes. And you're still running your Bella Bites page. So how would you say... You know, I know the one thing that you kind of preach is that it's okay to have your favorite foods. So how, how are you going about balancing that, you know, where you're, you're wanting to go try these new places, but also you're trying to save some money and eat healthy and all that. So how do you go about balancing that? Especially, I know a lot of college students would say, hey, there is no balancing act for me. I'm just going to the food hall and finding what looks the best. Yeah. Um, well, I actually have a spreadsheet. <laughs> I take my food very seriously. I actually have a spreadsheet of like all the different places to try in Nashville, like coffee shops, desserts, breakfast. And I've been like hitting those hot spots with my friends, which is fun to do, get off campus. Um, I definitely preach balance. Um, I, you know, I listen to my body and what I'm craving and stuff, but I also, you know, eat healthy too. Like, Obviously, like, I let myself have desserts and stuff, but, like, I know, like, if I go eat, like, a cheeseburger and fries before practice, like, I'm not going to feel good. So right. I just eat foods that feel, make me feel good, taste good, and that I like, and, you know, just find a good balance for me. 
Now, outside of just the college aspect, you're uh, you're living kind of a, what a lot of people would say is their dream if they're an athlete. It's to go and be a Division One athlete, and you uh, got your scholarship to Lipscomb University. And for those that don't know, had a very successful last year, setting some uh, ASUN records, breaking some uh, records as well at, at Lipscomb. Um, what was that ride like, uh, getting to go to all the way to NCAA Regional that was held in Bloomington this year? Could you have imagined as you walked on a campus for the first time and went to the first practice that that would be how your season concluded? I mean, I never, like, I'm so grateful. Like, when I was at regionals the whole time, I was like, I'm so grateful to even be here. And, you know, after coming off of surgery, going into my freshman year and, like, you know, not being able to run, I was like, I'm never, never going to take this for granted ever again, not being able to run. So it was just really special to me. And having my family and coaches and teachers at regionals, it was awesome. And um, actually, the year I came in, like, my freshman year, like, um, well, my senior year of high school, I kept up with like the ASUN results and like the regionals results, the prelims, you know, see what people were jumping. And I actually like came in my freshman year, like with the goal to qualify for regionals. So the whole outdoor season, like that was my goal to get a qualifying mark for regionals. I wasn't sure if it was going to happen, but, you know, it did. And I'm so grateful that it did to see all the hard work pay off. Absolutely. And I know that uh, everybody here, you know, we were up there with Coach Bangle and Coach Emerson. We were all very proud and uh you know for the next year what's what's the the next level how do you get to that next level to try to advance to you know maybe secure yourself a spot at eugene for the national championships um you know obviously um training staying honestly consistency that would be the word for it consistency um you know taking my easy days easy and my hard days hard and you know taking care of my body recovering eating healthy, you know, keeping my mind right. It's people don't realize all the factors that go into like being an athlete. It's not just the physical aspect, it's the mental aspect. So, you know, honestly, just staying in check with all that and staying on the same page as my coaches and teammates. Yeah. A lot of people don't know, or maybe a lot of people do, at least if you were in a summer PE class of Whiteland, you would. Uh, Bella was here pretty much. It seemed like every morning when I was helping Bengal teach summer PE, you were out here, you know, I don't, I wouldn't say I would feel good after doing these workouts. I guess you probably felt great, but uh, doing the the hundred meter sprints and what uh, what was it, sixteen seconds? Yeah, so we had ten times a hundred uh, meter sprints in sixteen seconds, and it was on the minute. So each time you got to a hundred, you know, meters, it was um, whatever. Say I finished it in sixteen seconds. Once the clock hits a minute again, I'm going again. So you do that ten times. So definitely get the heart rate up. <laughs> yeah, I gave that a try after uh, summer Pete was over. You had already left, and it was a pretty hot day. And I think I did like two, and it's like, man, I am not a Division One athlete. Um, <laughs> I, I had to, had to come to terms with that. Uh, that was actually a lot. I'm like, oh, it looks pretty easy because one, there's. I think you would understand this too. When you watch people run, especially probably at the level that you're used to seeing now you're like, wow, these people look very graceful when they run, right? And when you run, yes, I'm like, okay, do. it looks very put together and like, you know, you look like an athlete. And then I'm out here like running and I would probably hate to see a video <laughs> of myself and how I run, but... Hey, you tried, you tried, that's all. <laughs> now, going back to when you were here at Whiteland, you mentioned that uh, when you broke the school record here, that part of it was getting in the weight room and training and you mentioned Coach Rudy and Coach Nunn. How big, or if not maybe more, of a part of your training regimen is, is hitting the weight room. What does that look like now at the collegiate level? Cause I think even you, you hear a lot about football players. It's just a lot different when you get to the collegiate ranks. Yeah. Um, it's definitely a lot of what I do, especially high jump. It is so explosive. So the weight room is a lot of my training in the fall. We're going three days a week, um, in there for about an hour, hour and a half. And, um, you know, we're hitting, a lot of squats, a lot of box jumps, cleans, um, you know, power cleans, a, a bunch of stuff. And just to get the the muscles going. And um, it's really important. A lot of people think like, you know, track athletes and like high jumpers, like they're supposed to be like, you know, like scrawny, not have a lot of muscle, but like, you know, it is really important with us to be explosive. So um, we do lift a lot. And I think there's a stigma that like, 
you know, girls shouldn't lift, they shouldn't be muscular and runners don't lift, but it actually plays a huge part in our training. And um, Coach Nunn and Coach Rudy have had a huge impact um, on my college and high school career because everything that they had taught me um, in APC in high school, like the first day, I remember the first day of weights in college, like we were doing all the stuff that they had taught me and all the stuff that we would do in class. And I remember just seeing some people like they didn't even know how to do it because they didn't lift in high school. And I felt so grateful that I went to a school where they really like, um, really um, stressed that on us and really um, helped teach us that. So that when I went into college, I was experienced and I knew what I was doing and I wasn't starting, you know, I'm from the s- beginning in I'm, the weight room. I'm going to see if I can play this. This is good. This is podcasting at its finest, me trying to figure something out about a new piece of equipment as we're doing this. So I'm going to see if I can play this, and you can tell okay. me if you were able to hear it after I play it. Let's see if this comes through here. One second. Let me okay. make sure. All right, we'll see if this works. Um, a lot of it's consistency. You know, people don't think about it, but a lot of it's the weight room. You know, as a high jumper, you got to lift heavy so that you're explosive on the track. So a lot of that has been in the weight room with Coach Nunn and Rudy. So... But um, just a lot of hard work and patience. So that was you, um, I believe, two years ago after the conference or county meet. So uh, Yeah, right after the 4x4, four four, I was a little winded in that. <laughs> yes, but exactly kind of the same. You're saying the same thing here two years later. It seems like a consistency in your answer as well. Yeah, yep, it is. That's what a lot of it is in track and field, consistency, especially when you do the kinds of events that I do to, you know, keep it muscle memorization and stuff. Now, uh, what would your advice be? Because obviously, like I said, a lot of people want to get to that division one level. And then obviously we have a lot of people that go on to D2, D3, NAIA, whatever it may be. But what is your advice to someone that is striving to, to go to that top level, or just let's say to, to continue their career into college, whatever the level may be, what would your advice be outside of, you know, just hitting the weight room, you know, take us through kind of maybe even the recruiting process or how do you get your name out there? Things like that. What was, what's the advice that you would give someone? Um, definitely, obviously consistency. I'm just going to keep preaching that, but, um, work hard when no one's watching, you know, like obviously we had COVID, you know, people either took that as an opportunity to get better or they took that as an opportunity to slack off. And, um, if you work hard when no one's watching, you know, it's going to, it's going to pay off and, Also, you know, find your purpose, like figure out what your why is, because I mean, there's days like I'm not motivated every day. Like I don't feel like working out every day. Like there's days I don't want to go to the track, but like, you know, I remind myself of my purpose and why I do what I do. And, you know, that'll, that'll get you going and that'll keep you consistent because you need to find a purpose that's bigger than you to motivate you to keep going or else, you know, you're not going to enjoy it. Like doing this sport at this level, like you really have to love it to do it at this level. Cause it's going to be hard. Like you, you invest a lot of hours in being an athlete at this level. And just like remind yourself that, you know, you're more than an athlete because, you know, you're just gonna, there's more to life than this. At the end of the day, like we're not going to be able to do sports our whole life. Like there's going to be a day I'm not going to be on the track, you know? So you have to find passions outside of your sport. And also, you know, just be a good person when you're getting recruited, like coaches don't just look for like your athletic ability and the stats. Like, obviously that's really important, but they also care about who you are as a person and they're going to pay attention to that. So obviously, you know, be a good person. And, um, I'd say that's it, but recruiting is definitely quite the process I would say. Yeah. And I think it's probably too, you know, you talk about finding your purpose. It's, it's gotta be a lot, a lot different for, for you and for other sports that are individualized. I know you're, you're part of a team, but it's not like you go out there and you're on a football team where it's like, okay, I'm playing for these guys around me, you know, like, or on a baseball team, like I got to keep working hard. So, because it it is, you know, you want to help your team when it comes to team scores, but obviously Mm -hmm. you're, you're kind of in an individual aspect as a high jumper. So it's gotta be, it's gotta be a little bit different too, for you trying to find that purpose. Uh, What would you say then kind of bouncing off that? What would you say is your purpose that keeps you driven, you know, day in and day out when it comes to training and, and consistency and, you know, eating right and things like that? Um, I'd obviously say like my faith plays a big, um, role in why I do what I do. You know, I glorify God and all that I do. 
And also, you know, whenever I run and compete at these meets, I always think of the little girls that are watching, you know, and I remember when I was a little girl and I would look up to, you know, the girls on the track and like, I remember like being little, like going to see like college athletes. Or I remember when I was, you know, my freshman year of high school going to my first track meet at UND, an indoor meet. And I saw like they would be practicing right before our meet. And I would just be so amazed. I was like, wow, that would be so cool if I could do that one day. And I just think of like all the little girls and I think of how I was and like how much of an impact I have on them and how much, you know, how much I can inspire them to, you know, reach their goals and chase their dreams. Um, so I just always think of that and, you know, um, yeah, I would say that would be my bigger purpose and, you know, for, um, you know, my career and stuff, you know, I have purposes for that too, but I always think of that whenever I run. Yeah. I think it's awesome to, to try to be a role model. I, I do think it's hard, you know, hard to imagine you ever looking up to someone. Uh, what are you six, you're six foot, six foot one. Where are you at now? I'm 5'11". I'm almost at the six foot. <laughs> almost get to six foot. All right. Because I was going to say, I'm 5'10". So there's occasion I'm like, and especially, I think uh, when I would see over uh, the summer during the grad circuit, grad party circuit, you were always wearing some heels maybe, or maybe some platform shoes. Oh, it's like, yeah. you definitely look a lot taller I than 5'11". I got my heels. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so for those that uh, maybe don't know you, you are the older sister of our current cross-country runner, Tori Jackson. What's it been like to, you know, you, you got to have... Uh, she's a junior now, so you had one year with her, correct? You were a senior when she was a freshman. Yes. So you had yes, one year I with her. Old. What's it like to mm-hmm. have her, you know, be able to see her and she's having a lot of success in the cross country realm and, you know, kind of what do you think that is, it has helped to have you as a sister, not to, you don't have to brag on yourself too much, but in terms of having <laughs> a, having a sister, that's a D one athlete, that's, you know, into training. Did that ever help you all kind of playing off each other where you're both involved in track and, and just kind of pushing each other? Yeah, um, you know, we've always been competitive. Tori's obviously more competitive. She's more competitive than me, I will say, you know. Like, she'll be racing my little brother, and he's five years old, and she won't even let him win the race. She's very competitive. But I think we've always, you know, pushed each other, and I'm so, so proud of her. You know, I've just seen all she's overcome. Like, you know, everyone sees her, you know on the cross country course, on the track running, but like I'm there for like the behind the scenes. I'm there for all the conversations after each meet. I'm there for all the phone calls after practice. And, you know, just to like, I know like all that she has put into this and how hard she works and just to see her succeed and how she handles her wins and losses and how humble she is and her, um, you know, she just, her hard work, it, I'm very, very proud of her and I'm a proud sister. So I think we honestly, you know, um, motivate each other and, um, you know, bounce off of each other with our hard work. And, you know, I call her all the time at school and we'll talk about practice and meets and stuff. So say to say I'm proud. <laughs> yeah, that's always the one thing I think about, too, is, you know, with having, uh, you know, siblings that come through the school, you start to build a legacy. I'm reminded when I was in high school, there was a, a family that was all tennis players. They had the oldest brother was all state for, I think two years. The middle brother was all state two or three years. And then the girl that was my age was all state all four years. Do you, do you ever think about, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, maybe you're not even thinking about now, but down the road that, you know, the success that you had, the success that Tori's having, that you're, you're kind of leaving a little bit of a family legacy or has that, has that crossed the mind at all? Yeah, I mean, our family and friends have definitely talked about it. But yeah, like the Jackson name, the they, everyone always says the Jackson girls. So yeah, I mean, people have said that. See, if, if you all had three other sisters, you could call yourself the Jackson Five. But we, I guess we kind of <laughs> we kind of missed out on that opportunity a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we won't keep you too much longer. I know you you probably got some studying to do. Um, so what is what is the kind of getting back on campus? What's it been like? I know. Uh, we talked over summer a lot, and you were saying that while you do love your hometown, you love Nashville just a little bit more. There's a lot more happening in Nashville than there is in Greenwood. So what's it like to to get back on campus and kind of get back in the groove of things? Yeah, um, well, right now um, we haven't started up practices, so we're just kind of on our own and stuff. But um, obviously, you know, first week of school, reading a bunch of syllabus, you know, that's always fun. But, um, you know, getting with friends and, you know, we have – you know, classes during the day, and then I'll usually go to the trainer in between classes, and then we have weights and 
we'll go to practice, but just getting back in the groove. But I usually do stuff on the weekend. I'll try to go to like a Nashville coffee shop in the middle of the week, get some work done. But on the weekends, we usually like to go line dancing, um, visit some cool places. So there's, there's definitely a lot to do. Um, I've definitely fallen in love with Nashville. So um, it's always a bit of a switch up going home, but it is always nice to see family. I just like it when they come over here more. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so that, I guess that leads me, you mentioned the line dancing, leads me to my last question. Then we'll let you go. Pick one. Cowboy boots or cheetah print? Oh, I don't know. I have to do cheetah print. You know, I've I've always been a cheetah print gal, so I can't. I got to stick to my roots here. Could you ever? Can have you seen any cheetah print cowboy boots down there? Yes, I have, but they never have my size. It's very sad. And then I guess if you are if you do like your boots, we need you. I saw a picture. We got to get you out of the 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 training boots, the the ones where you you know keep having to go and get your footwork done. We got to keep you out of those boots. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> but Bella, I want to thank you so much for calling in today and being a part of a chit chat with Corley. Um, everybody back here is still thinking about you and wishing you success. And uh, the best part is you still got three more years to do it. I know they'll fly by, but. We're all rooting for you, and uh, we'll have to have you back on sometime, yeah. maybe towards the end of uh, end of your sophomore season, and have a little check in, and hopefully, uh, maybe I'm making the trip down to Jacksonville this year, and maybe even booking a ticket out to Eugene. Yes, I would love that. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, thanks, Bella. That will wrap it up for another episode of Chit Chat with Corley. It was a great one today. Caught up with the Whiteland FFA again, trying to get their active membership up contact either Hannah Gobe or Katie Ott and see how you can become more active in the FFA. Of course, the football guys ready for conference week, the very first conference game coming against Decatur Central on Friday and Bella Jackson. Good to hear from her again, doing great things down at Lipscomb University. We will not have an episode next week as we will be taking it off for Labor Day weekend. Wishing you all a very safe and happy Labor Day. Uh, But we will be back in two weeks with more guests on Chit Chat with Corley.